Hello, and welcome to All Things Marketing and Education. My name is Ilana Leone, and I've devoted my career to helping education brands build their brand awareness and engagement. Each week, I sit down with educators, edtech entrepreneurs, and experts in educational marketing and community building. All of them will share their successes and failures using social media, inbound marketing or content marketing, and community building. I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of All Things Marketing and Education. This week, I am really excited to be sitting down with Lisa Highfill. She currently works as a technology integration specialist in the Bay Area, and she has been in education for a very long time. She's got lots of wisdom, lots of tips and tricks. I am so excited for her to talk about that with all of you. She's been in education for over 28 years. Ah, and she looks so young. <laughs> She's been working as a classroom teacher. She is also a co-author of the popular HyperDoc Handbook. She's a co-creator of Teachers Give Teachers. But more recently, we're going to get into this in the show, she's been working on a fully online virtual academy. And uh, she's going to talk about her experience and, and really just what she's learned along this beautiful journey. Um, I have known Lisa throughout my journey in education at Edutopia. And I, for the life of me, Lisa, I can't remember the, like the, the exact moment we first met, but I just remember you and me just being ubiquitous in the world of education, where if I was at a conference, potentially you were at that conference and you were just smiling and, you know, potentially there were flocks of people coming towards you and asking you about hyperdocs. <laughs> so, um, Lisa is one of the most smartest, most humble educators I know. And, and in fact, when preparing for this podcast, she put a note, which was so cute. She was like, I just do, don't want to talk about myself. I would like to talk about teachers and students. And, and y'all, this is what really amazing teachers do is they love just focusing on the impact and trying to help, help, help. So I'm so blessed to have Lisa on this podcast. Um, recently, I got to attend one of her school's virtual showcases. Mm. And I was just in awe of everything they were doing and how they were presenting themselves. And then Lisa sent me a note and just talked to me about all of the struggles that her kids, like personal struggles each one was going through and how she was so proud of them. And I said, that did not shine th through at all. They were professional. They were prepared. I was just so proud. It gives me goosebumps talking about it. So today's Lisa will be talking about all of the things I mentioned, but specifically, she's going to talk a little bit about designing and delivering digital lessons, some with HyperDocs, her journey to help design a virtual academy, which we could talk about for hours and hours. So she's just going to give you a little tidbit of that. Um, and so much just good all around ed tech fun. So welcome, Lisa, to all things marketing and education. Thank you, Alana. I think we met standing in line for the restroom at an ed camp and we just started chatting it up and getting all heady and and deep into conversation which is my favorite thing to do oh, to talk about i miss learning. those ed camp days yes so oh. and i've always admired you from uh, and wished i could be you at edutopia back in the day that was my oh. life goal 
So thank you. I, it's funny because we've actually, it's just going to sound weird. We've had a couple of bathroom moments. I remember it, it, you, I ran into you in the bathroom too. <laughs> That's all, all the best conversations happen there. <laughs> yes. Well, Lisa, is there anything I missed about you contextually you want to tell our audience? No, I'm just um, really um, happy to be here and to talk about, um, you know, kind of the evolution. You kind of just went through my, um, how I've evolved as a teacher over these years. And I'm just so happy to still be with Pleasanton Unified, same district for 28 years. Wow. And um, I just, I feel like I've grown every year since I've been there. Um, and I, I just couldn't leave it because what, it, what this conversation is going to come down to, Alana, is students. Mm. And really, that's all I care about. Through everything I'm going to talk to you about, that's at the heart of it. That's really all I care about is how do we reach them? How do we get them to be curious learners? How do we get them to care about learning? So Yes. Well, why don't we start into your other venture around HyperDocs first? Because people hear your name and they're like, oh, she's one of the people <laughs> behind HyperDocs. Um, but for like a person who doesn't understand even what that term is, like, what is it? Um, what is, how does it in work with designing and delivering digital lessons? Why would a teacher use it instead of something else? Maybe just the basics. Yeah. So, you know, here goes the elevator pitch. This is the, <laughs> the crux um, uh, with anything that um, um, I work on along with my colleagues, um, uh, Sarah Landis and Kelly Hilton, it's always very deep and multi-layered, but at the gist of it, a hyperdoc is a digital lesson that I, the teacher, creates and give to my students. Um, and uh, the, the point is um, that the undercurrent layer is that it changes the way I deliver instruction and it changes the way a student would experience learning. And that all comes from my craft that I put into that lesson, how I designed it. What did I put? Um, what kind of intention and purpose did I put? If I have students in my classroom who are language learners, then I know I'm going to build in a lot of language support for them throughout that lesson. Um, if I want to build community with my classroom, I know I'm going to put in a lot of ebb and flow, like off tech, on tech, ways for them to see each other's answers or connect with each other. I'm going to build that in to the lesson. So for me, it's such a personal um, part of, in, of teaching. It's building that lesson that meets the needs of the students who are in front of you at that moment. And it's it's like any hobby I do. It's fun. It's 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 like cooking, you know, it's like it, what you put a little of this in, you put a little of that in, like, oh, that did not work. And so you're always changing it up. Um, they're very alive lesson, these digital lessons. Um, I know a lot of people have thought for a long time, oh, they look like just digital worksheets, but you really just have to try it and try delivering it. And that's where the secret sauce is. You know, it's, it's all in the delivery. And so they're digital worksheets. Well, I don't even want to use that term because I think yeah. that oversimplifies it. But um, they are a digital space where you can organize and like thoughtfully put in these layers. Like you're saying, it's almost like creating a recipe. So what's the difference between doing that versus them just going on a Google Doc or whatever? 
It is definitely about that cycle of learning. And I first learned about this um, from Ramsey Musalam, someone I know I'm sure you've talked with many times, and his brilliance around cycles of learning. And the big aha for me and what makes a hyperdoc really different is we build in the explore portion of a lesson before the explain. So students aren't coming in and sitting down and passively just tell me what to do. Um, you know, we're, we're creating these taskmasters who come in and just complete our work. We are, we have become a, you know, a society of assigners. We just assign the work or we just tell them this is the concept. Instead, it asks for that active engagement, that cognitive thinking from the onset. Explore this content, make meaning of it. Tell me what you think at this point, my first formative assessment in a lesson, and then I'll go on and either take your thinking to a higher level or I'll correct it when I go to explain that. Mm. The last portion of that lesson, explore first, then explain, then apply. It really comes down to that authentic application of that knowledge, the so what, now what? So I learned this, now what? Now I know we have assessments we have to give, but I'm going to say yes and. What else can you do to let students um, have more equitable assessment by showcasing what they know in a, in a way of their choice? I have a lot of students who are really verbal um, and they do so well when they can showcase um, what they know um, by choice rather than the gotcha of the, of the multiple choice test. It's so limiting. I'm afraid it's not giving us the data we really are looking for. Um, so, and, and that's all comes from you building that out in that lesson. Awesome. So you give the, the best practices framework yes. that you see to, in order for them to also maybe look back at it next year and say what worked, what didn't work, self-reflection, all of yes. those things. Yes. Awesome. Back to the heart of lesson planning, you know, where you are the engagement piece, then they explore, explain, apply, um, share and reflect. I think um, including building in that reflection piece, icing on the cake at the end um, and letting kids do that collaboratively and digitally. Boy, that meets a lot of kids needs who really hated sitting in the classroom and raising their hand one at a time and listening to each other reflect it's so powerful when you can do it all at once, post on a something like a Padlet. I mean, technology has really changed the way we can deliver and build our lessons. Yeah, and what we're talking about now, and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, because I come from a different vantage point of like marketing and K-12 and, and higher education. And we don't tend to get into the nitty gritty of lesson planning mm -hmm. much from the ed tech perspective. Like, is that right? I mean, I know as educators, you all have to do it all the time, but do you have a lot of resource? Like maybe that's why HyperDocs even got invented because like, I don't, I've never come across a lot. I see a lot of lesson plans, like if you go to Pinterest world and everything, but I don't really talk like the, the actual, what you should do, how should you make it your own? Like that doesn't get talked about as much. Am I right? For yeah, it, it doesn't anymore. Um, I think with the addition of so many initiatives um, that are added to teachers' plates and wanting that fidelity of curriculum and having to follow the rules of a district, we've been sort of a, a new shift of you deliver what has been given to you in your curriculum instead of us being designers of that learning experience. So what we try to teach teachers is how do you look 
um, at a bigger picture, like do a bird's eye view of all that's required of you and then pull those pieces from your curriculum, from your content standards, your essential standards, and create a really meaningful experience around that with your best practices, with the technology. Now, you know, you can't do that for every lesson, Alana. I mean, that's like so much, that's a lot of work and it's um, a lot of time. And so I really encourage teachers to um, think about what are lessons that they really want kids to stick, you know? So what is that um, piece that you really need to know this when you're leaving this grade level? Because it's oftentimes Groundhog Day. I'll teach a lesson and then the next day I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are still putting there, there, and there incorrectly into your writing. It's not transferring. Knowledge is not transferring. I need to make a sticky hyperdoc lesson that you will not forget the correct uses of there, there, and there. And so it's not every lesson every day. It's that really um, important lessons. Um, I think, Alana, too, one thing, I'm sure you talk to a lot of educators who are feeling that burnout, are feeling that um, fatigue of teaching. And I have to say, I get a lot of energy in being a creative person through designing lessons. I'm such a lesson plan geek that when I'm creating a lesson, I'm like, oh, and then we can do this and then we can do this. And I have so many ideas for it and I get excited and it brings that joy back into the profession that I really need. That's my fuel um, to get up every day and work with kids. Yeah. And that might be some, some slight reframing for educators at times. Cause we're, I think lesson planning feels like from my vantage point, I've never done it, but it, it can feel daunting. And it's like, how do I, like you say, how do I pick the lessons that I do want to be sticky? And, and this is a perfect conversation for right now. At the, at the time this podcast will be launching, we'll really be in the thick of back to school for educators. Mm -hmm. So I think what you said is like, you can't do it all. So, but also potentially reframe it as like, what part of tweaking this lesson might give you joy yes. too, and then correlate that to those aha moments in the students, right? I think for teachers going back to school right now, it's important to identify your pain points. What's not going well? Do you need to build more community with your students? So design some community building lessons from the beginning of the year. You can always go to um, uh, Teachers Give Teachers uh, or hyperdocs.co to find some of these lessons or our Facebook group. Let me drop that because a lot of teachers are making these back to school lessons um, that are building community and building this. Uh, actually, it's sort of an unlearning time for students to learn really well on a digital lesson. We're still working on that instead of being taskmasters to to pause and think deeply about content. Yes. And if they're thinking deeply about content, they'll think deeply about everything down the road. I would say the number one thing all employers like myself look for when hiring is critical thinking. Do they go beyond the task? I don't need someone that can check off tasks. I need yes. someone to eventually go beyond it and create other tasks for other people down the road and really just nerd out, get curious, be that yeah. lifelong learner. Well, it's that like problem solution. Alana, I often was frustrated. Students would come in and sit down and just say, just tell me what to do. Tell me what, when it's due and how many points it is. And I realized I was feeding the beast. They were just complying with what I was giving them. So I had to change up what I asked of them. And, and in the process, 
build agency for exactly what you're talking about, taking responsibility for their learning, making choices, which tool is going to best showcase my knowledge. Um, those are things, decision-making things that I hope that will transfer into the workplace um, seamlessly. It's that confidence yeah. um, in their work. Yeah. And I definitely saw that. And we'll talk about your virtual academy, but I saw that confidence beaming from your students. And that was so cool yeah. to see. Um, all of the resources that Lisa mentioned will be put in our show notes. And at the end of the episode, we'll give you the exact URL too. You can also go to our website and find them. But no, no rest assured, all of these good resources are Facebook group, teachers, teachers give teachers. I almost said teachers pay teachers. Oh my <laughs> <laughs> totally different um, <laughs> and hyperox.co we'll put it all and she might give you some extra freebies and whatnot that we'll put in the show notes um lisa any parting thoughts when I, I was thinking i always try to think about how thinking differently allowing hyperdocs to reframe lesson planning really can transform your teaching but as ed tech folks that are listening so we've got um you know ed tech startups and marketers and and sales folks listening, just trying to understand educators in their everyday lives, but they're also in charge of a product. H how can, you just talked about how fundamentally ed tech can do way more than when you and I were in school. So how can you see them complementing more with this new, it's not reframing, it's a new way to organize and reflect within lesson plans. I, um, my hint and, and tip for everyone when it comes to lesson design, ed tech companies, everyone, less is more. I cannot say that enough. I really think that we are growing as a society with so many choices, so overwhelming. I think sometimes we get so complicated um, that it's important to really pare down. When I'm building HyperDocs throughout the year, I tend to stick to four web tools. I need um, web tools for creativity. I need web tools for collaboration. Um, I need um, web tools for, um, you know, that visual production, um, video production, um, and, and, then, and then stop and limit myself um, because I'm, I'm afraid with too many choices, we're getting away from the heart of the initiatives we're trying to do, um, which is to really um, teach students Here's a real hint, Alana, teach students how to be really good learners. Mm. I mean, that to me is my job. Um, and that's been a real aha, especially this year, teach students how to be really good learners and then provide this content for them to practice on. And if I hear you right, you say for, to ed tech folks, do one thing, keep your product simple, easy to yes. use. Um, don't try to have this crazy all-in-one suite that's really complicated for educators to do because, like you said, sometimes they just fit them in these buckets, right? And you, what, what were those buckets again? Like creativity, um, you know, uh, uh, publishing, um, and uh, collaboration is very important. Yes. So, a perfect example of that is Answer Garden. That is my favorite go-to for collaboration. Quick, share one word how you're feeling today. Mm. And you put that up and there's no bells and whistles. There's no login. There's a link and it builds this word cloud. And, and here's the other key to this as educators, this is for you. When you have students do something like that, you have to teach from that then. Otherwise they're on to you. They know it's just another task and they'll put in, they'll spam it. They'll put in any word, but if they know you're going to like, let's dig in deep, 
why did someone write this word here? You know, and, and actually teach from it and make that a part of that teaching and learning experience. Um, that's why we need to use tech tools, not just to make a pretty word collage, but to then say, what does this collage tell us about our classmates and how we can work together today? Yeah, I see people are feeling creative and let's use that as we remember in our group work, you know, that instant community we can build without calling on hands. I think of my introverted students all the time with Answer Garden. They're so free. Finally. That's awesome. Yeah. Such good tips. Um, let's shift gears. So we talked a lot about hyperdocs, lesson planning. Um, I, when you first told me what you were doing, I said, wow, every educator dreams of what you were doing. And in fact, I've dreamed about it. <laughs> you know, I remember I was like in Bali at a retreat. I'm like, I'm going to start a school sometime. <laughs> you know? like, I know that sounds very cliche, but um, I think starting a school that's thoughtfully designed and saying what truly makes students succeed. Like that is so awesome. Can you just share with me about your journey, how you were approached with this opportunity um and then you know lessons learned along the way i know that's a really big question so we'll we'll take it as um, it comes <laughs> yeah it is it is a dream for me to be in this position we have um i was in those conversations too if only i could just start my own school and it's just incredible to be in this position in public education i'm i'm thrilled um it started um you know during the pandemic um and remote learning and teaching um and in my school district in pleasanton unified at the time i was um a coach um i was the tech integration specialist teaching teachers how to use technology in their classroom um, and i was doing the professional development for that purpose and then we all went remote and so um, it was my job to run professional development and support teachers through pandemic instruction. So I was everywhere. I was in from TK through 12th grade um, in special ed with administrators. I was I had my hands and eyes and ears in all of it. At the end of that time period, um, my school district came to me and said, would you be interested in doing what you do, but just in our new virtual academy that we're starting? And I said, yes, please. Is this true? Um, can you pinch me? Um, because our district decided to um, take the, the learning gains from pandemic instruction and learning and really build upon it because what happened was we found out a lot of students really thrived during this time they thrived in ways that we weren't reaching them before this so i don't know if we would have ever truly understood the ways they were thriving or what they needed until this actually happened and we experienced it and if we were paying attention to it um, number one listening to students and so um, I was asked to be the tech integration specialist um, in this small school. It started small. Um, uh, it was still a little bit of pandemic uh, last year with the, the new variant. And we um, launched our school year with 450 students. Um, so that was a lot during that time period. But we were fully staffed. So this is not um, a virtual academy that is like one teacher for a a hundred students. We have a math teacher in our secondary level. We have a science teacher, a math teacher, English, um, Spanish. We have, you know, subject area teachers 
in our elementaries um, at the time we had so many kids, we had combination classes. Uh, and so we had a teacher for each grade level. Um, we were, um, we started off right off saying, this is not zoom school we are going to learn from what did not go well during pandemic teaching. And we cannot have these kids on a computer all day long, just listening to us. So we built a structure around like all of the dream initiatives I've had throughout the years, which is design thinking and project-based learning with the idea of having a hybrid space. So kids, if they wanted to come in, could come in. Um, and if they wanted to be fully remote, they could do that as all uh, as well, or they could, you know, have a combination. Um, I think that design thinking is at the base of everything we do in our school. And number one, it starts with talking to our students and really listening. So the first day of school, never forget, we're 150 of us secondary students on a Zoom call. Then we call it the gatherings and we meet every Monday morning at 9 a.m. All school, all school gathering. And I put up a Padlet and I said, all right, everyone, we're building a school. What is the school you always wanted to be a part of? And we had them go to a breakout room first and chat and collaborate. And then they started posting on the board. And I just, I get a little choked up just thinking about what they posted um, you know, and again, I'm going to go back to that. You can't ask kids to post something and then not listen to it. And so I took that Padlet where kids were saying, I want friends. I don't want to be bullied. I want to learn a lot of things that, um, you know, I want to learn about finances. I mean, they got very specific. Um, they want to learn in their own time when they want to, um, they want to make things. I mean, it was just incredible, their answers. So I took that Padlet to the teachers and I said, well, this is our task. How are we going to how are we going to do this? And so we started to build a little bit at a time. And then we come back to them. What do you think of this? Do you like this lesson? Do you like this? What more do you want? How can we change this? And then it really shifted Alana because instead of us building it, we formed clubs where they built it. So, for example, our leadership club took on the responsibility of really this multi-age teaching. They went and started to do programs that helped our elementary students and built that um, authentic purpose to what our high school students were doing. So getting the kids to build it um, was our ultimate goal, I think, um, build some of these experiences. Yeah, and, and Lisa, just hearing from you, I don't think you were building a school, you were building a community. Yeah. You're building a community first and, first and foremost that focused on learning. Yes. <laughs> and yes. for yes. all of you listening, I don't care if you're an educator or ed tech, like if you're building something, you always have to listen, ask. When you listen, they feel seen, they get ownership and get excited. But what Lisa was saying is don't just ignore it because that was your one hope. And then imagine if she just said, all right, we're doing this. She would have very disengaged students, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so back to, you know, creating that beast of them just doing what we've asked them to do. Um, and, it, and it really could go that way. We're using um, online curriculum. We're using Edgenuity for our secondary um, school uh, because it provides that baseline um, you know, academics, the A to Z requirements that are, you know, really necessary. But we are leaping beyond that for the applicant. That's just the input of knowledge. Now 
our craft is how do we apply that knowledge? Um, and Alana, you're exactly right. When we um, uh, first started uh, building this, um, it was it was a lot of teaching students how to be learners. So my very first HyperDoc lesson was design your digital workspace. And my next lesson was, you know, how to calendar um, for motivation, you know, and it was all of these skills, um, life skills um, on how to be a good learner, how, how to really improve your executive functioning. Um, one of my most popular lessons that I would do on Monday gatherings was how to stay focused, how to avoid procrastination. I mean, these are lessons that I got to make some amazing hyperdocs from. Um, and the students kept saying, I wish I was taught this a long time ago. I think we assume they know these skills, but when I prepared them to be a learner and have confidence for that learning and also confidence for messing up and not doing well or falling behind because they're in a virtual setting, you know, they fall behind, they procrastinate. That's what we do. I always say, well, let's learn how to plan for plan B. What are you going to do? How are you going to solve this? And that really has taken them so far beyond the learning that we even expected. They just take real ownership for it. That is amazing. And I, I saw that. I saw them willing to take risks. And then that you can only do that if you feel safe enough to do so. Right. And you have a community that's able to support you. And I saw that. Um, what do you say to the educators that are in the thick of it now? Like they are trying to just get ahead and they might be like, okay, I got to do bare minimum and then go back and then see where I can put in added value. Like I don't have time to teach them those life skills, but I see that they definitely need it because they aren't taught that that is a fundamental aha moment for me is that a lot of students aren't taught how to learn, how to be learners and not even like getting into the social emotional learning context of like, are they ready to learn emotionally, but they don't even have the tools if they are ready to learn emotionally, how to succeed and navigate in a way that'll make them successful in the future, not the way that'll get them to ace the ACTs or the SATs. Exactly. So you know, like, how do they start those teachers that are just drowning right now, really just trying to get through and, you know, do all the classroom prep. How do they focus and do that? Is this something they ask their admin to do or. Well, I, I, I'm going to go back a little bit too, because, you know, I've been having lots of big heady conversations with my other friend, Ken Shelton this summer. And he was like, let's just tear it down. You cannot um, build um, equitable, uh, equity in schools unless you just dismantle it. And I'm in a position where I'm really lucky. So when I talk about virtual academy, we did, we dismantled what we traditionally thought of school and we're building it back up from the bottom. And teachers don't have that ability to do that. Systems, public education systems run slower than that. And that's why I encourage teachers, start with what you do have control over. And that is lessons. You all have that in common. Um, every teacher has lessons that they are to design. So I always start with looking at problems and then designing for those solutions. Are my kids always forgetting um, uh, something or a due date. Well, I'm going to do a quick lesson on how to organize your digital life, how to set up. Oh my God. The best thing I did was teaching them how to group their tabs and do um, bookmarks across the bookmark bar so they could find things more efficiently. And I'll tell you as a person who has trouble with focusing, that was a game changer for me as a learner. So I guess that's my other piece of advice. Teachers think about you as a learner. 
Um, it's not all about you, but it, it's a good start. If you have trouble focusing, what are some things that that you're using with your students? Because guaranteed, um, they might be struggling. But really importantly, showcase a lot of different ways to do this work and let them choose. Have them take ownership of that. Say, okay, this is one way to organize your digital life, but then tomorrow you're going to, I'm going to call and if you want to showcase what works for you. Um, and it really empowers the kids to think there isn't one right way to do this. Um, and I have the power to control that and figure it out for myself. Yes, that's really, really helpful. And I remember you teaching me that trick on the, on the browser with like the, I was like, oh, game changer. <laughs> we don't pause. We get so caught in the hamster yes. wheel of all the things that we all have to do. We don't pause and say, am I equipped? And to really yeah. be successful. And are my kids or my students like, have they ever been like, am I making assumptions and then just getting frustrated because they're not doing mm -hmm. it time and time again, it becomes this vicious cycle, right? I heard um, a lot of teachers um, last year talking about how different it is now that they're back in the classroom. And I say that's because they saw behind the veil, you know, they saw this structure totally blown up and that there was a different way to do it. And they're, I think they're kind of calling us out on that. And so we have to step back and really listen to them. What is it that you need to feel successful in this room? Um, and let's start there and just brainstorm. There's no bad idea. And let's start with that building community and trust. Alana, if there's one thing that I think is most important in the work that I do, whether it's adults, kids, whoever, it's about building trust. And then we can get a lot done once you trust me. And once I trust you, and if you mess up, that's okay. We'll, we'll work from there. So work on that trust, building that community um, and getting to know each other. Um, and it's a good start. It's a good place to begin. Yeah. And what a better time to do that than back to school too. We always talk about, you know, the, the more popular things I see in back to school, rightfully so, is how to create a positive classroom culture. Yes. But with that, you're doing it to build trust. Yeah, 100%. You know, and a part of that is students feeling really confident. Um, so it's, um, are they, um, uh, it's one way to start uh, preparing for back to school is thinking about um, ways that you could build that trust with students, whether it is, um, creating um, those structures for them to be organized for your classroom or whether it is ways for them to um, get to know each other or get to know themselves um, as a learner. I think that's an important part to uh, address right away. And within HyperDocs, sorry, uh, hey, Jordan, I'm hearing a big reverb. Are you hearing it, Lisa? Like a no. background? I just want to make sure. Okay. As long as it's not being recorded, I'm cool. Um, I, I was going to say pause. And, and with that, when you talk about trust, do you have some samples that you can point people to? I'm assuming that there's some sample lessons in, in, the, in the HyperDocs community on like positive culture, trust building. Um, and we can put those in the show notes, but I'm just verifying with you just because they're like, yeah, that sounds good. But yeah. how do I do that? 
and how do I make time for it? And I'm, I'm trying to think of the busy educator right now. Right. I think it's um, about committing to taking that time. Yes, I do have things for you. I'm a curator at heart. So I have, I have a wakelet, a back to school hyperdocs that I'll be sure to share with um, the community. Uh, and sometimes you have to really look at it and say, why did she share that? Why are we doing the creative type test from Adobe? And what does that have to do with building trust? Um, you know, it's really a part of you um, going through um, those layers and, and identifying and, and trying it out. Um, we do that. We all see what kind of a creative type we are. And then I put similar creative types together to discuss, all right, what is it about you all um, that makes you this kind of a, uh, a thinker or a producer or, you know, those personality um, kind of uh, assessments that I love to do at the beginning of the school year. Um, I think it's being vulnerable in sharing that and having a little fun. Um, and it's worth it to take that kind of time so that when you do get into your content, um, they don't feel like it's a treadmill that you're just on. And from day one, um, if you get off of a day, then you're going to be behind. They, they can see through that. They know that. So I think yeah. you need to find that space. And you made me think, um, I think I love doing these shows because you make me better. You make me think and connect more, but allowing someone and a, a student to discover themselves, discover who they are as a person, a learner, all of these things, you're helping them communicate. Here's who I am and be seen and be appreciated for who they are, the uniqueness of them as a learner. And that builds trust. I don't want you to fit in this mold. I want you to self-discover and yeah. use where you're passionate, but you also might have some skill sets that we can tap into as well. Yes. And that, I, I recently went back to grad school and I feel like if, if nothing else, sure, a lot of higher education is stuck in the, the sit and get sage on the stage. But if anything else, it helped me feel confident on who I am as a person and my unique background and skill sets and how that confidence and just even self-discovery, I have so much trust in that system because it allowed me to do that. Yes. Yeah. I think um, what we have to be careful to when we don't develop lessons for that, because it changes um, our efficacy for how we function. And I see a lot of anxiety stemming um, from that in our students. So building that up in them um, and letting them, um, I, I think my favorite thing is my favorite in virtual Academy was when students missed a deadline for that project. We had our big showcase for project-based learning. Alana, you've mentioned it a few times. And st um, students missed the deadline um, for when their product was due. And I said, so? Give it to me when you're done. And they looked at me like, I could do that? Because they were so involved in what they were doing and they cared so much about it. They kept working until well beyond that due date. And they still went through with it because they cared about it and they owned it. Uh, and it was much more than just an assignment. I think that's when I saw learning has changed for students and they were so proud of themselves for accomplishing it. That is awesome. Well, at least I know we can talk about all of these things 
forever. Like yeah. I really, every time I see you, I'm like, tell me what you're doing. Tell me what you've learned and, and what are the changes you're making this year. But for those of you listening, I hope educators, you will, there'll be a ton of resources for you in the show notes, but I hope you walk away with one of the, like the mind shifts that Lisa was talking about. I know things are overwhelming now, but are there things you can do to bring joy back to your teaching? And then also a way for you to discover and connect with your students on a deeper level. And for the ed tech people listening, I, I think some of the things that you said around simplicity and really working within what the educator, think about what the educator is trying to do in a day to day and how can we create things that do it exceptionally well, right? Fit into that. So Lisa, the couple of questions I ask for all of our guests, one is, and I, I'm really curious about your answer on this one, <laughs> is around inspiration. You do so many things. You are in work that is just, it's, it's fueling, but I can imagine it's really draining at times too, emotionally, because you put your heart and soul in everything you do. How do you, how do you recharge that battery? Are there books? Are there physical things you do? Like what keeps you going in those tough times? Well, I'm a reader, so I'm an escapist. So I just go into someone else's world. It is my favorite way to manage. So I'm, I'm always hiding out in my house somewhere. And my family knows that if they haven't heard from me in like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, I'm probably hiding out with a book somewhere. And I just live in, you can see behind me in my literature world. I just think in terms of fiction all the time. It's really what I want to grow up to, to be when I'm uh, older is, is a writer. And so I just um, spend a lot of time, as much time as I can there. Is there anything you're reading now or is there anything you can recommend of like to the educators listening that you're, or, or just people listening that are like, you got to read this book. It changed me. <laughs> well, I'm a fiction reader, so it's not um, one okay. of my teacher books, but um, I really, my book of the year and I bought it for everyone I know is Midnight Library, Matt Haig's book. Um, it's my kind of book, a little time travel, a little heady, uh, reflect on your life kind of thing. Sliding doors. It's like sliding doors. Mm. I love it. It's, it's a great escapist book. So yes. And never apologize if you're doing things non-educatory. Oh yeah. <laughs> because you all are humans too. Yes. I, I love to hear all the other things that, you know, that fuel you. Cause we can't just continue to define ourselves as like what we do. Cause you all are so much more than that. And I, I love that recommendation. We'll put it in the show notes for you all that are like running and listening to this. And you're like, what'd she say? So we'll put that in there as well. And, and Lisa, we talked about a couple of ways that educators and folks can get in touch with you, but would you mind just sharing that over again? Yeah. So I tend to um, be on the Twitters. I'm L Highfill on Twitter. Um, I tend to be really shy and quiet. I know <laughs> you had said that in the beginning. I, as, as loudmouthed and opinionated as I am, I'm actually kind of shy. Um, so I don't talk uh, and spew a lot there, but I will, if you, if you talk to me there, I will talk back with you. Um, I also um, am in our Facebook group, um, Hyperdocs uh, on Facebook. And it is, talk about growing community. Come to find out there's a community of people who also bond around designing lessons. And our Hyperdoc community is one of the most generous and kind group of people um, that I've ever worked with. I'm so I'm happy to be a part of that group. Um, and you can always, you know, 
find me there, those two places, or go to hyperdocs.co. We have a full academy, virtual academy um, there. So you can learn more about hyperdocs and what's coming up for us this year. We have a lot um, coming down the pike. We, you know, it's been since we wrote our book in 2016 and we have evolved. So um, always changing and growing as education changes. So yeah, and I know you've heard a lot from Lisa, but what she said is true. I feel like you are, are a very thoughtful person and you listen first. And I, I think now listening to you, you teach your students to also digest, listen, think about things critically. And then you're very calculated in what you do say and respond to of like, how can I provide the most value? And in your case, to your students. So you you are quote unquote shy, but I would say that you're, you're, you're just a, a listener like me. Sometimes yeah. I, I, I get so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do, but just elevate educator voices and listen. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us. Gosh, I, I sometimes pinch myself. I'm like, yes, I get to connect with people like <laughs> you just, and this is my job. So thank oh. you for taking the time. I know you are in the midst of back to school. I wish you the best. Please keep in touch and let us know how things are going, what you've learned, things you've changed. Thank um, you. For all of you that are like, give me the freebies, give me the stuff that Lisa's talking about, you can access this episode's show notes at leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash 26. 26, maybe like two times three is six. Um, for detailed notes on everything that Lisa talked about too, we also will give you some, you know, fast show notes, highlights as well, if you don't have time to listen to this whole thing. So thank you, everybody. We will see you next time on all things marketing and education. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash podcasts for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends, so please connect with us on Twitter at Leone Group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.